0: This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. In this episode of React Podcast, Eli White shares the five core principles guiding React Native development native experience at massive scale, fueling developer velocity on every platform with declarative UI. He also shares some insights about how Facebook organizes around features and products, not platforms, and shares news about exciting React Native collaborations with Microsoft. I loved hearing about the vibrant vision leading React Native development, and I'm sure you will too. This episode is sponsored by AWS Amplify and Infinite Red. AWS Amplify is the fastest way to develop web and native apps that scale. I bet that you're already using at least one AWS service to support customers today. So you're already familiar with the limitless composability of AWS services. But sometimes all that capability can be overwhelming. You just want one thing that's intentionally designed to make modern full-stack development easy. AWS Amplify is for you. AWS Amplify takes the power and scale of AWS and tailors it to your needs as a cloud-based web and mobile app developer. You can use it to spin up hosting, storage, authentication, manage GraphQL or REST APIs, serverless functions, and so much more. You can start using AWS Amplify for free with their generous free tier. It's great for tinkerers, entrepreneurs, and bootstrappers. And as you scale, you only pay for additional services you use, a match made in heaven. Visit awsamplify.info slash react to find a quick tutorial for react developers like us. Infinite Red is your go-to resource as a react and react-native developer. They know these frameworks inside and out. Whether your company is Fortune 500 or fighting fortune for an open co-working desk, Infinite Red can help you design, build, and ship quality apps. They've been doing it for 10 years, and listeners of this show absolutely love having them as a friendly expert resource. Infinite Red will give you $750 to start or refer a new project. Get expert React and React Native help at reactpodcast.infinite.red. Eli White, welcome to React Podcast. Awesome. Great to be here. Thanks. (laughs) You know, it's funny, we have gotten to see a lot of each other just kind of like talking about, you know, React and React Native and what you are doing, but we haven't actually had you on the show yet. So I'm super excited to to get you on to talk about React Native, uh, the principles that you're using to kind of lead that project and develop it for the future. Um, but for anyone who doesn't know you yet, could you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, how long you've been doing it, and uh, what you love about it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm Eli White. I'm one of the engineering managers on React Native. Uh, I've been at Facebook and on React Native about three and a half years. Uh, I'd never used React Native before joining the React Native team. I, I come from a web background. <laughs> so I am uh, you know very came from the React side and uh, worked on a lot of web infrastructure kind of things. So I, I have a lot of that background that I kind of bring to React Native. Uh, But I wanted to kind of, uh, coming into React Native, I wanted to take the things that I knew really well and apply them into an area that I didn't really know anything about, which was mobile and uh, React on Native. So that's kind of what my path to React Native uh, came from. And it's been really great kind of seeing this new area uh, and working on mobile since then.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned kind of going from React to React Native. and And I'm really curious, Like, what were you building with React before, and how did that kind of translate to your work on React Native?
1: Yeah. So um, uh, when I was working with React, I was uh, helping a web team that built out a a web property and uh, a lot of the kind of web infrastructure side. So, you know, working with uh, setting up linters and uh, Webpack configs and Jenkins CI configs, all all that kind (laughs) of stuff as well. (laughs) Uh, and then coming to React Native, um, it, it, there's been a lot that's kind of transferred over. Uh, React Native is very similar to React on web. Uh, you know, you, you write the same components, you, you have pretty much the same style properties that you're used to, um, but the differences are that instead of rendering to DOM nodes, like divs and spans, you're rendering to uh, like native UI components. So yeah. like the the... the box components that are provided by uh, iOS and Android. Uh, and so there's some things that are kind of different that are helpful to kind of understand about mobile as well. Like navigation on mobile, for example, is like wildly different than navigation is on <laughs> web. Uh, and thinking of, thinking in that way uh, is different. But the way that you build your UI, the way that you uh, think about you know how you nest components and build out things with uh, context or Redux, and like all of that is exactly the same.
0: That is interesting, because I think, you know, I, I've been a predominant life i have touched React Native a little bit, but I've been predominantly a web developer, like my my entire career. And it's interesting, like, it's an interesting challenge, like when you go from web, where you're working with, you know, you're working directly with elements, right? Like whether that be like, you know, div, span, unordered list or whatever. Um, You're working like directly with those and you kind of see those show up in the DOM as like the way that you put them in. But there's an interesting thing that happens that you alluded to in in React Native where you're using elements that sit above those native elements. So they're like native in in, uh, iOS, native in Android and whatnot. So there's a level of abstraction. Is that... Is that predominantly kind of where like React Native sits as a project? Like, is it just like React and then like there's React Native is this mapping to those platforms or is it more complicated than that?
1: Yeah. So one mental model that I kind of like to think about for React Native is uh, React Native in a lot of ways is like a browser. That the browser, like you write your JavaScript, but it is the thing that provides access to uh, your you know, webcam or to the other kind of system devices. that right. provides those kind of APIs. Um, and it also has the implementation of div and span and all those things are like built into the browser. And so it does its layout uh, processing. It does, uh, you know, how to process CSS and do all of those kind of things. That's all in the browser core. So React Native is very similar that uh, React Native takes the JavaScript that you write, but it provides the APIs that let you access native. It provides, uh, it does its layout calculation itself. And instead of like a browser, will just draw every pixel on the screen, but React Native, instead of drawing that itself, it renders to the actual native components. But React Native is kind of the heart and soul of uh, specifying what you're able to use. And the thing that's nice about React Native that you don't get on the web, is that on the web you can't add these features to your browser. You can't. Sure. You can't expose new system <laughs> capabilities into your browser. And uh, you have to wait for the browser vendors to do that. But with React Native in your app, you can add new capabilities. You can add new um, like connections between native and JavaScript and expose those so that you can use those. Um, one example is like a map component in in React Native. You know, you might want to render a map, and on web, that's like that's really complicated. You have to like. <laughs> Essentially, you like give up and you import some like Google Map view that has sure. done all of the logic to do everything. And on native, uh, you're able to kind of import the Apple provided SDK for maps and sure. and use that in the in the app itself, kind of as if the browser decided we're going to expose. You know, Apple Maps SDK as a component in a browser. But instead of having to wait for the browser vendor to do that, you can just do that in your individual app.
0: This is interesting because one of the big kind of, I guess, contentions or frustrations with the web is that it is a much less, um, I don't know, like high fidelity platform than native platforms. You know, so like a, you know, a native... Um, Like Mac OS or Windows or you know mobile like iOS and Android, they have a huge amount of like fidelity and responsiveness and APIs that let you do tons of things. And so it sounds to me like when you're using React Native, you actually get to use these really high fidelity APIs instead of depending on, um, like you said, some big cluster of like you know JavaScript or you know Canvas or like whatever that kind of. Gives you that, that opportunity in the web, but like isn't actually like a native experience necessarily.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this actually ties into our first principle, which we'll probably talk <laughs> a bit more later. Um, but it, it's one of the things that's pretty interesting is that uh, when you think about the different platforms between web, and iOS and Android, the, the highest bar that users have for any experience on those platforms is on iOS. People have a really high bar of what they expect yeah. uh, the experience on that platform to be. And it might be uh, maybe upsetting to this audience, but I think in, for a lot of ways, um, <laughs> web has the lowest bar of the experience yeah. people expect, um, and so we get a lot get away with a lot of things on web. Um, you know, like <laughs> we talk about trying to avoid janky animations, but like you know, that's the the standard is like janky animations, and we try to avoid that. But on mobile, like. Yeah. A single frame drop in an animation is like not acceptable, uh, sure. and and like people really hold you to that bar. And so for us on mobile, uh, you know, using a web view doesn't cut it. You you can't get to the level of fidelity that people expect on iOS. And so it's really important for us that the experiences built on React Native really meet the bar that people have for that platform.
0: Yeah, this is a really interesting differentiator for React Native, I've always thought, is that, you know, so many people want the ergonomics of, you know, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, um, and then – and have just kind of put that into a web view on an application. And, like, it works, but it's, like, you're getting – you're getting the ergonomics, but then sacrificing the, the user experience. And it feels like with react native, you've really tried to flip that where you still want those like ergonomics of, uh, of JavaScript being able to, you know, have bring your web developers in and have them be effective in the, in the product. Um, but with the value of these native components that, that feel and look great and like predictable in those environments.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Kind of get into our principles the reason that kind of a native experience is our first principle is because we will trade off developer experience to give
0: people a user experience that is hmm. uh, what people expect for that platform so i I do want to talk about the principles, but first i want to <laughs> I want to kind of like back up just a little bit because um, I think we're going down that we're we're just barreling towards those principles and I really want to get to those, but I want to ask like Setting up principles feels like a really important part of of a project. And I'm kind of curious. You, you wrote this article kind of detailing your five main principles for React Native. And I'm curious, you know, just before we go into those, what types of experience have you had leading this project that, have, that led you to want to redefine those principles or establish them um, at, at this point in, you know, 2020?
1: Yeah. So I think React Native has had kind of a bunch of different kind of stages of its life. Uh, and, and when React Native was first announced, uh, React Native kind of came out of the gate saying like, we're a bunch of web engineers. We know how to build apps. Like, hey, mobile <laughs> engineers, you've got this all wrong. Don't worry about it, we'll, we'll fix this for you. Like, don't do what you do anymore. Just like, you know, be web engineers now. And <laughs> right. uh, that was a big mistake on our part. Uh, mm. Because that's not how we felt uh, and I think it's really set the wrong tone that uh, I think a lot of engineers that are like really great native engineers, they see React Native in that, in that mindset and they see like these web engineers who know nothing about native, they know nothing, they know <laughs> nothing about kind of what the expectation is of the platform are, are coming in and saying like we don't need mobile developers anymore. And that's not, that's not sure. how we, we feel. Um, uh, and so we figured that it's really important for us to tell, you know, how we do feel and, when, and w- what our story is. Um, and I think people have been able to kind of guess and talk about things, but it, it hasn't necessarily been aligned. And so instead of kind of responding to each individual person saying like, that's not what we believe, uh, <laughs> and it, it's easier to get pulled into the trap of what we don't believe. And I, I really wanted to focus sure. on what we do believe and the things that are important to us.
0: I'm cu- curious about the nuance of how that actually manifests or like you mentioned routing a little bit earlier and how it's distinctly different, you know, on the web versus native platforms. Um, obviously that was, that was a challenge and something that you had to learn, uh, from native, uh, processes and engineering. Were there other things that kind of like rose to the surface as like challenges that really needed, you needed that clear lines of communication between um, kind of this React native JavaScript type of experience, but then also, you know, back, back end, not, not back end, uh, native knowledge and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I think um, there's a bunch of different things in this category. There's like people who have expertise on native, they know how to like, Debug native apps and <laughs> uh, you know improve the memory and be able to think about the life cycle of applications uh, and kind of all the gotchas around that. Uh, how to set up CI and like for for iOS and, and Android apps, uh, as well as they they really help maintain the bar of mm. what the experience is on uh, on these native platforms. You know, like. You have a bunch of iOS engineers or Android engineers, and and they're going to not let you say like not let you use React Native as an excuse. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We really we really want to make sure that people working in React Native don't say like, oh, we can't do this because it's React Native. Uh, and I think people kind of can fall into that trap. And I think it's it's easier on web because like you don't have any other choice. Like you can only do what you do on web. Sure. Um, but I think one of the one of the perceptions that people have with React Native is that you can do everything in JavaScript, and you can do a lot of things in JavaScript. But React Native doesn't mean JavaScript. Mm. One of the things that's really important to us is that you use native code when you need to. Uh, that's that isn't you know avoiding React Native for a certain part of the application. That that is that is like a core belief of React Native that. Uh, you know, if you need to bridge new components or APIs or implement something natively because it's too complicated or, or too uh, maybe confusing to have in JavaScript or there's already existing code in native to, to do that, uh, using it in native is, is still React Native. And we want to encourage that.
0: That's really interesting. I, I imagine that there's a kind of perception to someone who's investigating these things, you know, thinking like, well, there's not like a React native library for this thing, or it doesn't do exactly the way that I want to. Um, It seems like that experience is is improved and um, I guess augmented by having people who are really familiar with, uh, you know, iOS and Android and, you know, all the other platforms that you actually target, um, that they can actually now have a better space to work together um, than they did before, where it's just kind of like you have one team dedicated to one platform and that's basically it.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think um, it obviously depends on the, like, the s- scale and size of your company. But uh, sure. I think when people consider React Native, we don't want them to say like, oh, this means that we don't have to hire iOS and Android engineers. We just can hire our <laughs> web engineers and we'll be totally set. Uh, I think maybe at like, you know, you're starting a... a startup you have two people i think maybe that's fine but i think as you grow uh, the way that we see it and the, the teams that we've seen have the best success are teams that still have some native engineers but the ratio of native engineers to, to people who have like a javascript background can be very different than it would be with just native apps
0: interesting i'm curious you know since we're on this topic what does that look like at facebook you know you have uh you, you know you, you have like the top, the tippity top of, you know, s- scale issues, right? And so I'm kind of curious, like, what does this look like at Facebook, you know, using React Native? Uh, how is it being implemented? And I mean, a- as much as you can tell me, um, and kind of what do those handoffs look like between your teams?
1: Yeah, so on the, on the, the product side, uh, which might be most interesting to you, but uh, push me in a different direction if it's not, uh, on, on the product side, they're... People are mostly organized around features and products, and not around uh, platforms. And so, uh, you you will typically have teams that go and build the same feature for all of the different platforms. And so, hmm. by having, being able to have like shared knowledge or, or uh, expertise, that helps a lot. Uh, people building this for web can also kind of build this on mobile. Uh, but we also have you know the teams that do the best with React Native, have a couple of uh, Native engineers on both platforms that can help uh, in many of the places that they need to, uh, bridging different APIs, thinking about different architecture for for how things might be laid out. Um, And so that's that's really what we see. One of the things that's interesting for us at at, at, uh, Facebook is that we have a lot of different choices for how you can build your application. There's nothing Hmm. prescriptive about which framework you have to use and our native frameworks component kit and litho are actually heavily inspired by react so even if you're writing ios native code or android native code you're still working with components and with props and with a very similar uh, mental model and i think that's been really helpful as well that uh, engineers you know native android engineers can still have conversations about the javascript react native application that's getting built on top of it
0: that's really interesting, uh, this this notion of everyone kind of rallying around components, regardless of, you know, if they have a native framework or web framework or, you know, React Native that's bridging them. Because um, it seems like this whole concept of components, if I remember correctly, even started back in like PHP, like before React, there was kind of like these this PHP model of a component and that mm-hmm. kind of migrated to what we know as React today. Has that been like an unmitigated success uh you know for for facebook just the the notion of components yeah um or have there been some some drawbacks
1: um i think components are everywhere Um, i don't think we (laughs) really do much anywhere that isn't uh with that kind of mental model i think that um components have a have a drawback uh that isn't facebook specific it's it's shared everywhere um which is like, we might've solved, you know, where behavior lives into these like individual components, <laughs> but then finding the right components to use becomes the problem. Sure. How do you like, once you have all these, how do you distribute them and uh, communicate them, help be able to make them findable. And so uh, I think this is a problem, no matter what technology you're in, this is one of the shifts to components that uh, I've kind of seen. And so there's, we have a bunch of tooling internally to help make this better, but, uh, it's not, a, it's not a
0: solved problem as I've seen it. <laughs> nice. Well, I, I really love the idea that you'd mentioned um, just a bit ago about how you have teams that that work around a feature mm-hmm. um, or, you know, like a, a product and actually try to bring that to the different platforms. I find that really interesting because it changes the, I, I guess the it flips the expectations around a little bit, you know, where you would have someone who's, maybe an expert in this type of technology and whatnot, and then you bring them in to do that part of the te- the stack for that feature. I'm kind of curious, you know, does that really, does that work really well? And, um, is that something that smaller companies could model?
1: Yeah. So for Facebook, we have a lot of experts that are experts in individual platforms or, or technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, but Facebook really values generalists that can kind of jump between anywhere. And so uh, the experts can kind of help in the areas that they know and maybe provide infrastructure or tooling to make things better and make it make things that used to require experts be accessible to generalists. Hmm. Uh, and that's that's kind of the way that we think about a lot of things. And I think that's that's actually part of React Native as a whole, is that mobile used yeah. to be only accessible to people with deep native expertise, but the up-leveling with components and with React Native as a whole has enabled this kind of thing that's required expertise to be done, uh, the balance to be shifted a lot more towards generalists, and supported by fewer specialists.
0: Yeah, I really like that. And I, I think that's something that I, I find <laughs> I think interesting as an industry that we're moving, it, it feels like we're tr- we're moving closer and closer to product where it's like we want to be able to like service customers as quickly as possible. And we're trying to build technology that allows, you know, more people uh, or like a wider spectrum of people to be able to deliver on those features um, faster and in more places. Um, and it feels like React Native is is one of those projects that's really like at the center of this.
1: Yeah, I think both React and React Native, we, we kind of see them as like one unit uh, are very much yeah. at the center of this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm kind of curious, um, before we dive into principles, um, what are some of the, uh, what are the major platforms that React Native is is really targeting right now?
1: Yeah, so uh, React Native is a framework and a technology that transcends Facebook. So it's React Native supports uh significantly more platforms than, you know, our team at Facebook supports. So it's kind of an interesting uh, conversation. I think, um, and I think both sides of this are pretty interesting. Facebook historically has only supported React Native on iOS and Android, but there's been other companies uh, that have supported a bunch of other platforms like, you know, Apple TV and uh, Microsoft has been driving a lot of work around uh, Mac and Windows. And uh, you have companies that build React Native for a whole bunch of different TV platforms and Roku and Tizen yep. and all sorts of things. Um, it, it pretty much feels like if there's a screen, React Native runs on it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I want to, now we, I, I, now that we got kind of, you know, for anyone who's unfamiliar with the technology, we got kind of like the broad picture of the technology and how it fits in at Facebook and, you know, how your team's, you know, kind of working to support more generalists. Uh, I want to talk about these principles that you you wrote a really great article on um, that are driving the current and future development of React Native, and I'm going to list them out right here, so we kind of like know, you know, the pillars. Oh, do you have a question? Yeah, I want to Sorry, I see jump, your finger. Jumping right now. in,
1: uh, <laughs> when we're talking about platforms, I said that like React Native started with like iOS, Android and Facebook, but it supports all these other platforms. And I think uh, we'll talk about this more at the end of the things that I'm excited about. But uh, one of the things that that we're doing now on our team at Facebook is, you know, partnering really closely with Microsoft to support Windows and Mac. And yeah you know, we're building up a team to do that because we have products now at Facebook that are using those. And so uh, I'll talk about that more at the end. But uh, that's something that like our team at Facebook is is now supporting these platforms as well.
0: That's awesome. It's been that's one of the things that I've been most excited about just kind of in, in hearing from you is like all of the new places that React Native seems to be be popping up and all the new platforms that it seems to be servicing. And um, that, that one with Microsoft is um, particularly interesting. And uh, I guess, you know, gives something for our listeners to look forward to in the next uh, 15 minutes or so. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm going to read these, uh, these principles off. Um, they are uh, from top to bottom. We have uh, native experience, massive scale, developer velocity, every platform, and declarative UI. Now we've kind of touched on a couple of them, but I'd love to hear the kind of like principled version of of these first. So let's dive into native experience. Could you talk a little bit about um, what native experience as a principle means?
1: Yeah, so um, in our blog post, which you'll you'll link out in in the show notes, uh, the first paragraph for each principle is kind of the bite-sized tweetable form of each principle. Uh, in fact, each one is of the length that it could be tweeted. Uh, <laughs> so I think, I think that's probably a good, pretty good place to start our conversations about these. Uh, so for, for native experience, our top priority for React Native is to really match the ex- expectations that people have of that platform, kind of like what we talked about before. Hmm. And this is why React Native renders to these native platform primitives. We, we value the native look and feel over cross-platform consistency. So this is kind of how we how we think about React Native. That we the goal isn't like 100% read, code reuse. The goal isn't that uh, you write one like piece of code and that will run on every platform, look and feel exactly the same across all platforms. It should look and feel like people expect of that platform. One of the ways that we think about this is that um, people don't have like when people want to uh, make a decision about an app, they don't compare that app on iOS and Android and, you know, any other platform to see like, oh, this is consistent, like this makes me happy. Instead, they, <laughs> right. check, they check whether that app looks and feels like other apps on that platform. So if your right. app, you know, scrolls differently or has different like bounce behavior or uh, animations just feel subtly off, it doesn't matter if it's consistent with other platforms. What we believe matters is that it,
0: it matches people's expectations of the platform that they use. That's a pretty big challenge, I imagine, right? Because like, you know, consistency with the platform versus consistency with, you know, your experience across platforms is maybe a level of consistency that people aren't used to thinking about consistency at, right? Like, it's easier to think of it as like, I, this thing looks exactly the same everywhere mm-hmm. versus this thing looks as its environment does on all of the platforms, is that a challenging way to think about things like, or or talk about them as you introduce React Native to people?
1: I think it is
0: for people coming from web, and it really
1: is not for people coming from native. Uh, (laughs) Because, you know, people coming from web, you're used to like building a website on a browser. And that experience on a browser should look the same no matter what browser you use. And when it isn't, sure. you know, you're really upset at the browser. But <laughs> in this case, uh, and, that, and that's because, like, you don't know which browser people use, and it's really interchangeable. But when you use a, plat- when you use a different native device, you're very much locked into that native device and yeah. really know what that platform should feel like. It doesn't matter what it feels like on other browsers, to, uh, other devices
0: to you. It is really interesting because, you know, at least with the developers that i've talked to they they hold very closely to the uh, interface guidelines for those platforms like it's very important to yeah. each person that their the experience match the surrounding apps as best as possible
1: yeah absolutely and i think one of the, you asked one of the reasons that we why we created these principles and i think one of the things that's really helpful is that uh, you know there's a lot of different technologies in this space now with flutter and swift ui and jetpack compose and uh, a bunch of different choices that people have, let alone web views uh, when thinking about these. And so the trade-offs that people often talk about are you know, maybe like performance or uh, who, who created it. But I think that's not, that's not really the, the, the things that we really want people to think about. There are different trade-offs that uh, are aligned with different goals. And mm. we want to talk about the things that, are really, that really matter to us to help you kind of understand if you're deciding between these technologies, which ones you feel aligned with. Uh, For example, I think like Flutter, uh, I don't wanna speak for them and I I haven't seen a a post like this from them, but uh, my understanding is that they don't have the same principle. That for them, it matters much more that the experience is the same across all platforms, uh, not because they want the experience to be the same across all platforms, but they want the developer experience to be so great. They want, Interesting. You to, you want, they want you to be able to confidently write code and have confidence that it's going to work the same way uh, wherever you write it. And for us, um, we kind of make sure that we tell everybody working in React Native at Facebook that you should be testing your experience on all of your platforms because they should behave like that platform. And so that's kind of a difference uh, between these different technologies that I would love to kind of see a document of the principles for all for, from the other frameworks.
0: Yeah, yeah. What and I think this really showcases your your belief that you know if it comes between a user experience and a developer experience, you're going to choose the user experience over the developer experience. Absolutely. Interesting. So I want to move on to the next one, which is the um, massive scale. And I guess I'll let you uh, kind of like read the tweet the tweetable version of this, and uh, we'll go from there.
1: Yeah. So the, the Facebook app is used by you know, mil- billions of people on a huge range of devices, and there's hundreds of screens in the Facebook app that are implemented with React Native. And so for our team, it's really important that we focus on the kind of issues that we see at that scale, uh, mm. which is kind of also saying that there's a lot of things that we aren't able to focus on because they don't causes the biggest problems at this scale. You know, our team is only a certain size. We can't, we can't focus on everything. And so we have to kind of draw that line where we need it to. And there aren't that many companies that are really using React Native at this scale. uh, If any company other than Facebook is even close. Uh, And so the things where we're most uniquely situated to solve are the things that we should focus on. And You know, as I said before, React Native is much larger than just Facebook. There's a big community around it, a lot of other companies that operate at lots of other different scales. And so we want to enable other companies that operate at those scales to really focus on the things that impact them and provide that back to the ecosystem. And so as we think about, you know, the the APIs we provide and how we set up the community to be able to build third-party modules and uh, kind of contribute... We want to help people contribute at the scale they're comfortable contributing. But for example, here, as kind of a a difference in focus, uh, you know, if there's a issue that kind of comes up that is about like a specific prop in a certain way that we don't use it, um, we are less likely to jump into that than we are to jump into disk utilization on Android, like low end Android devices really slows down React Native. And it requires like tons of changes in the core of how we architect the Hmm. whole framework to be able to address uh, making React Native run better on Android devices. And so we try to focus on these bigger problems that uh, will have the biggest impact for uh, kind of the, the scale that Facebook operates at and enable the community to kind of solve some of these other problems.
0: This is really interesting to me. I think one of the things that I have really enjoyed about using React is that I know that it's being used by Facebook. And so there's really nothing that, like, for any indie product that I make or, you know, things that I make with, you know, significantly fewer users, like, there's going to be some consideration for the problems that I might face, you know, already baked into the framework. And I, I love hearing that, you know, you're, you're using it and understand and like build new solutions around the, the problems that you have at scale. But I think there's also another benefit to this is that it, it sounds to me that, you know, at, at Facebook, pe- because people get to, you know, choose their own tooling, um, you have to be a very adaptable framework. Like you have to be able to fit into the way a certain, you know, platform or product is making those decisions. And you can't own the whole pie and be like, well, this is a React Native app. We're building it from, you know, from first principles on React Native. Um, how has that that necessity kind of guided the way that you build out React Native?
1: Yeah, I think it... I think. The, the biggest way to me is the way that we've kind of approached our community and our other partners. And uh, I want to plug like Expo here a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, for those that don't, don't know, Expo is uh, a kind of managed toolkit to create React Native applications with a lot of the capabilities that you need built in and uh, really focused on, on new applications. Uh, but they've also been providing a lot of their their toolkit to existing applications as well, and uh, really providing out like high quality uh, building blocks that people use. Yeah, and I think the in- the interesting thing for us at Facebook is that you know we aren't spinning up new apps all the time. We have like right. a couple of really massive apps that are uh, that were existing native apps that we need to integrate React Native into. And so for us, we really need to be able to focus on those kind of problems. Uh, we aren't in the situation that we would be investing in, uh, you know, creating a way for people to spin up tons of apps and make that really streamline. Because if we did, it would be kind of out of the goodness of our heart to build up our like developer community, <laughs> but we wouldn't be able to invest in it and provide as much uh, as much like success to it as the community would want. And so that's kind of an area where Expo has really stepped in and uh, made that really successful by helping teams kind of create new apps and make it really easy to get started. Uh, And so I think for us, it's more important to build our relationship with these companies and enable them versus trying to do it all ourselves.
0: Yeah, and I I mean, I just have to... Kind of say that like the stuff that Expo is doing is really cool. It's been really fun to see like all of the kind of cross-platform libraries that they just make it really easy to to get started and start using on, you know, even on web, they have some like really great libraries that work on web. Yeah. Now, I know that this, you know, working at this level of this scale has mandated that you kind of invent new tooling. Um, and I know that some of the things from that article that have popped out of that are um, Hermes, Fabric, and Turbo modules. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what those are and kind of like how they were birthed out of React Native? Yeah.
1: Uh, so the uh, first one is Hermes, uh, I think. Oh, is it? The, oh my the, God. the, the other name uh, may have some uh, <laughs> trademarks around it. Uh, oh, gotcha. Uh, but Hermes <laughs> is our JavaScript uh, engine built specifically for React Native, and this is this is like a great example of uh, what it means for us to focus on on scale. Because as I mentioned, you know, like Android devices uh, have slow disks, and our focus there is to salt like serve the billions of people using React Native on Android uh, in the Facebook app. And so there's only so much that we can do loading JavaScript off disk and Uh, With an existing JavaScript VM, you have to load source code, the entire JavaScript bundle, and then, you know, parse it and then compile it and then, (laughs) like, then start executing. And that all has to happen on the startup of your application. And on web, you know, you have browser tabs that are around forever. The startup matters, but it also matters, like, can it still be, you know, fast after being open for a week? Uh, Sure. And... uh, that is not common on mobile that you keep uh, the same screen up for a week. What matters a lot is how fast you can start the app and switch apps and come back to it and get back right where you were. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we needed to be able to make it so that all of that work that's really common to a JavaScript VM goes away. And so for Hermes, Hmm. that's really the main focus is really optimizing for startup performance on mobile. Uh, And, you know, it's it's not a thing that anybody can do. Creating a new JavaScript engine. This is not a fork <laughs> of V8. This is not uh, you know anything that exists. This was a from scratch via uh, from scratch JavaScript engine. Uh, and instead of parsing JavaScript, we compile that JavaScript to uh, bytecode that is then execute like directly executed uh, off disk. And so there's no there's no JavaScript source. There's no parsing. There's no evaluation. Uh, well, it t- is it is like actual bytecode instructions.
0: Man, that's so, w- <laughs> so well. And I think kind of ties into this whole notion of like, that. that's something that like, not Facebook could not have done, <laughs> right? Like you kind of have to be at a certain level to take on a project like that and actually optimize around that. Cause I mean, I imagine that that was a non-trivial effort by some very talented <laughs> engineers for a, an amount of time.
1: Yeah, there's only so many JavaScript engine engin- engineers in the world. <laughs> uh, not just any any company could hire that, and, and uh, even even like be able to invest in that. You know, like yeah. we're able to invest in that at Facebook because it has such an impact on Android, where face, the Facebook app is like so is is so important, uh, and I don't think any other company has the scale that would warrant that investment.
0: Yeah. Now, just out of my own curiosity, how did that? <sighs> How did that come about with, I know that Apple in particular is very particular about the engines that run on its platform. And so I'm curious, like, did that infringe on some of their guidelines for that? Or uh, d- were you able to work around them with success? Or did you have to work with them to get this thing to work?
1: Yeah. So as I mentioned, you know, Hermes is is there to really solve our problems on Android and uh, the, the disk on Android. And so uh, Providing uh, I mean, as we built out Hermes, Hermes, Hermes is the Android JavaScript engine. Gotcha. Uh, and so the you know disk on iOS is much faster than it is on on Android. That it's not it's not as much of a problem there. Uh, interesting. And so the focus has really been
0: on Android. Fascinating. So I it's interesting to me because I didn't realize that even at that you're able to do that at even like a platform level like create these like you know so this is effectively just targeting android and the limitations there versus ios which have as you mentioned faster disks and kind of can use the platform that's available
1: yeah um the the impact on android is much greater than the impact would be on on ios uh, i think the you know, optimizations are still valuable you know like not parsing the entire javascript bundle is still like <laughs> it would only lead to wins uh and so I think it would provide, provide value. And uh, I think Callstack has actually been working on bringing Hermes to iOS and uh, kind of investigating that and, and what kind of wins people might see. Uh, but our focus has really been, been on Android.
0: Interesting. Thanks for clarifying that for me because um, I, I had no idea. Um, now, Fabric. That seems awfully close to Fiber in you know like that we got in React a, a couple years ago. Are those two related?
1: Yeah, so Fabric and Fiber are kind of very similar in their missions and, and approach. Um, I don't know that many people remember React before Fiber, but uh, <laughs> you know React got to a certain point where they couldn't bring the capabilities and the the optimizations that they wanted to bring on the architecture that existed. And so they kind of rethought the core of React without kind of changing the public API to be able to unlock these new capabilities in the future. Sure. And so we think about Fabric the same way. Uh, And uh, we have a couple of different big architecture projects that we're working on to kind of address, similar to Hermes, you know, we we see these patterns that are kind of like uh, problems throughout the stack none of which is like something that you can fix that one individual problem. We have to fix kind of the, like kind of change the whole system. And so uh, we've been working on this new architecture uh, that will solve a lot of these kind of challenges that we've run into at, at our scale, uh, while you know, not, ch- not requiring much changes on the product code side, trying to just be like an under the hood improvement that will unlock a lot of capabilities for us in the future.
0: Nice, nice. Now, were there any other things on the scale side of things that you wanted to cover before we move to Velocity?
1: I think we should move on.
0: Okay, let's move on. We're getting too, too much into the weeds right now. <laughs> this is
1: great. I love these questions. I'm really happy to be um, talking about the principles. Uh, we've, I, I wrote this, and uh, the main goal for this whole document was uh, sharing and being able to have conversations about it. This is, this is a starting point, not an uh, end point. You know, this is what drives React Native and we want to hear from other people how this lines up with their opinions and, and other technologies. And this is really about a conversation. So I'm glad we're having this conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. And I think that brings up a really valuable point is, is that I think sometimes people see, you know, principles like this as, as I don't know, maybe being like restrictive or, or whatnot. And I am so glad that you mentioned that because I think that being able to to say what your values are open up discussions. Right. And you can kind of talk about like how something that you want is aligned with this principle or like unaligned with this principle, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it. It just means that like, we got to kind of like rework it to like fit into these principles and these guidelines. Cause a project like, you know, react native would just fall apart if you didn't have any guiding principles. I mean, there's just too many people who are interested in having it be tailored to a certain way. Um, to just say yes to everybody. <laughs>
1: exactly. I think one of the other things that's interesting here is that these aren't the React Native principles. These are these are our team at Facebook's principles, uh, the React Native team at Facebook's principles. Because you know React Native is much bigger than us. Um, you know Expo has probably different principles as they work on React Native than than we do. And sure, uh, I think that's one of the things that's really valuable for our ecosystem is that you know we're able to kind of support these other partners to have different principles but we figured it's really important to share ours because we've been the one driving this project from the from the front lines for a while.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean Expo is a really great example of, you know, something that can be aligned but have different principles and mm-hmm. try to to solve a different part of the problem that you're not allowed to. I love that. So, developer velocity, that's the that's the third of the, you know, um, React Native team principles. Um, and, uh, I'll read this one. This one says, um, it should only take a few seconds, um, to see the result of a code change or see the result of co- code changes. Uh, talk to me about that one. Uh, cause that one seems really big and hugely important for a company as big as Facebook, where one second for every developer that works on something is, you know, hours a day. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's, I mean, at, when you're running on our scale with the number of engineers that we have, um, we have dashboards that measure how many years per day are spent running yarn, you know, like (laughs) when you, when you can save a little bit of time from something that really, that really impacts a lot of people. Uh, and it's not just, you know, we, we are driven by a lot of these things at Facebook, but by providing them to open source, we know that we're really changing the game for, you know, companies all around the world. If you're, if you're creating a startup, um, being able to move fast and try a bunch of different ideas and iterate and find product market fit. That is incredibly important to you. Uh, and for us at Facebook, you know, we have so much that we want to build on, on the product side and uh, so much to, to do that if you can let a team do, uh, you know, everything they're doing with half the number of people that other half can, you know, take on bigger challenges and, uh, you know have a lot more impact and so we really we really value developer velocity and making this easy
0: yeah yeah so what are some of the things that uh that have been introduced to react native to make um make changes in development super snappy
1: yeah uh, so i mean a lot of what we're comparing against is mobile which is you know minutes build process after every <laughs> change before you can see anything And that's not what people expect from web. So uh, maybe the the listeners here are kind of a little bit skewed in that direction. Um, (laughs) Sure, sure. But, you know, we think about things like uh, fast refresh, which came to React Native first and uh, really makes that, that, you know, save and reload experience really seamless. Um, And it's not just about, you know, how long it takes to see a code change. It's not just about that, that refresh cycle. It's also about, uh, how fast you can debug problems and the tools that you have available. Mm. And uh, for a lot of companies, it's about OTA and being able to ship kind of updates to your app uh, on on your own cadence instead of uh, maybe on a, like a weekly cycle. Uh, you can just kind of ship and it's live. And so that, that kind of is all like our, our thinking that empowering those kind of changes is a really important part of React Native.
0: Yeah, and this is something that I think you know, web developers like myself just have zero context for, you know, when, you know, refreshes are, you know, pretty fast, even on a slow, um, you know, slow web app. But the deployment, like having con- taken control of your deployment, it's like, for me, I just think like, oh, okay, like, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, push this in. And, you know, in a couple minutes, it'll be live on the web. Um, for native, you actually have to get approval from like, a different company. <laughs> yeah. So, how does uh, so tell me a little bit for those who aren't familiar, like what this product, what this life cycle usually looks like, and how React Native allows you to kind of bypass that whole thing?
1: Yeah, so for, for a lot of companies, um, they might have like weekly or biweekly release cycles for their native apps because going through the process with iOS and with uh with Apple and uh Google Play might be might be pretty complicated, and so mm. um. One of the things that was really cool is that Microsoft built this uh, system called CodePush, which essentially lets you ship like you're used to on web. You can just kind of publish a new version of JavaScript, and then the app will start up and download that new bundle and execute that instead. And uh, I think a lot of companies are are using this, uh, having a kind of great experience with OTA and uh, you know, it's, it's, I think for the companies that use it, like, it's not about shipping new features, but it's about being able to quickly fix bugs and uh, notice you have a crash and be able to, like, resolve that crash right away instead of having to wait a couple of weeks for that to go through. Uh, and so it's been really cool to see, like, Microsoft having that stack and Expo has theirs uh, with the update system. And uh, I know, like, Shopify has been sharing some of the other things that they've been doing, like... Uh, on PRs, you can scan a QR code, and it will download the bundle from that pull request and look, run that on the actual native application. And so, those kind of things are are you know not possible with a native application, and uh, part of the release that is possible with React Native that companies are doing.
0: Yeah, I love that, and I love that that is something that the kind of website is able to bring to. Uh, to native platforms that you know, you can bring that particular experience and being able to just like push updates, you know, into your product without having this big like you know maybe weeks long kind of song and dance with uh you know, with third parties. Yeah. So let's move into the every platform because I think this is something that you're super excited about and you know seeing the places that React Native has gone this last year. Tell me about this uh, every platform as a principle.
1: Yeah. So uh, reading the the First paragraph here. When we introduced React Native in 2014, we presented it with the motto "Learn once, write anywhere," and we meant anywhere. Uh, you know, developers should be able to reach as many people as possible without being limited to the you know, device model or operating system that people are running on. Uh, React Native isn't just—we talked about this already— isn't just about iOS or Android, but it's also about uh, you know Windows and Mac and VR and uh, game consoles and web and it, it's it's about really it's about the the way that people write UI and not about the platform mm. and I think that's something that we we really believe in is that you know react and react Native aren't like separate projects a lot of it is is sure really meant to be kind of very much the same that the way that people write, UI and the the things that they learn uh, should translate anywhere. And kind of React Native pushed a lot of this with with what you're able to write. But we also now see this with uh, you know uh, influencing the way that people write even native products uh, in terms of like the mental model being the same with Swift UI and Jetpack Compose and Flutter and yeah. Uh, so for us on React Native, uh, our goal isn't necessarily to have write once and, and run anywhere, but to have the authoring experience that enable you to build really great experiences on on individual platforms. So we've been doing that now with uh, Windows and Mac, at Facebook as well as iOS and Android.
0: That's awesome because I, I I naturally think of you know because you know when I was introduced to React Native, you know it was it was specifically targeting iOS and Android, um, but now you mentioned like this is going to, to to desktop, to like different types of devices, to TVs and whatnot. Uh, tell me a little bit about the partnership that you have um, with Microsoft right now, building desktop experiences with React Native. Yeah, so um,
1: when we open sourced React Native a couple years ago, uh, we never really thought about other platforms uh, being a thing that we would need to focus on because Facebook's so focused on. You know our mobile apps on on iOS and Android, uh, and then uh, Microsoft started using React Native. They realized that it, you know their developers want to write in JavaScript, and uh, that that model worked really well for them. And so Microsoft has been doing really amazing uh, building out React Native for Windows and Mac. Uh, Some of the built-in applications that ship with every version of, of windows now are written in react native. So every copy of windows includes react native in it, which is just mind blowing. (laughs) Uh, You know, some of the, some of the applications on Xbox itself are written with react native unreal office, like the whole office suite has certain parts of the apps uh, across all of the platforms that are written in react native. Uh, It's become really, it's become a really big thing for Microsoft and, They were kind of doing that on the side with like consultation and partnership with us. But now for us at Facebook, we actually have a use case for React Native on desktop. One of the things that's really important to us uh, right now is helping people kind of connect even when they're remote from each other. And I think that's really really important and part of the mission here. And so um, one of the things that that we've been building out is Messenger Desktop. And Messenger Desktop uh, has uh, been an Electron app but there are some things that that we want to do that aren't possible in an Electron app. Uh, There's a lot of limitations that it has. And so, you know, we were investigating, like, do we build Messenger Desktop with, like, a native iOS and Android app? And the answer was, like, this React Native for Windows and Mac thing works really well. Like, this this works out. And so uh, we've been building up a team here at Facebook uh, that I I support that uh, is building out React Native for Windows and Mac in partnership with Microsoft. And so we kind of operate like we are one team across both of these companies. Uh, we, wow, that's awesome. we chat at least once a week. Uh, engineers on our team should feel just as comfortable with engineers on their team as they do with other engineers at Facebook. <laughs> so this has kind of been our, our relationship. Uh, we want to make React Native uh, on desktop you know, a really great experience. Um, we're having great success with it so far versus Electron or Messenger desktop was. So we're going to keep pushing that forward. And we're just at the very beginning of that. Uh, But I'm excited for kind of that future.
0: Yeah. And that really speaks to, you know, earlier points of the, uh, the extensibility of React Native, you know, to be able to go to platforms, um, to be introduced to platforms that it wasn't previously on. Um, But then also, it's, like flexibility, right? That it can go and like support a portion of Microsoft Office. It doesn't have to own the whole thing. And that that is just really fascinating um, to me that this project can kind of like go anywhere uh, that it needs to go to to help people be more productive in a wide variety of environments.
1: Yeah. And that's part of our, our ma- uh, focusing on massive scale principle as well. And, you know, there's thousands of different screens in the React Native app, er, sorry, in, in the Facebook app. And some, last time I checked, a couple of months ago, there was like 850-ish uh, screens in the app written in React Native, and so being able to enable existing apps have you know parts of it written in React Native versus the entire app having to be React Native is is really critical to us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I want to get into this last one. Was there anything else that you wanted to say on the uh, the every platform before we move on? No, that's great. Cool. I realize I've just been enjoying talking to you so much and I realize like we've already been on for like an hour or so. I'm happy to keep talking uh, (laughs) for a little bit longer. Okay, cool, cool. So the last of these principles is declarative UI. Uh, Tell me how that fits into the uh, React Native mission.
1: Yeah. So I think one of the things well, I'll I'll read this first. Um, We don't believe that deploying the same exact interface on every platform we believe that it's important to expose each platform's unique capabilities with the same mm. kind of mental model, the same declarative programming model. And for us, our declarative programming model is React. You know, React is like a, a, the heart and soul of, of what we use. It's what we use on the web. It's the mental model, it's the capabilities, it's uh, you know, hooks, and it's, it's the way that you write applications uh, that shouldn't be tied to any specific platform. That should be mm. the way that you write UI for any platform, and so uh, I think it's important to to specify here that you know React is one of React Native's like principles. You know, we're not going to diverge from React uh, <laughs> to to do something different. We we really want to stay aligned with React because, as I said before, we kind of see it as as one and the same.
0: Yeah, I love that, and I think that you know that really ties back to the original. Um, original vision, I think, of like, was it learn once, write anywhere, um, that you could like take React and actually apply it to all of these different platforms, uh, which we've, which you've seen tremendous success in over the last handful of years.
1: So this kind of ties into the the stuff I'm excited about, which I think was part of your agenda for one of our last topics. Yes. Uh, yes.
0: Um, yeah i'm totally ready um tell us what you're tell us what you're excited about i mean what's just getting you excited now that kind of this this technology seems a little bit more you know fleshed out um what are the things that are on the horizon
1: yeah so uh one of the things when I mean, we talked about desktop that's a really new thing for us and I'm, I'm really excited about that i think there are a couple things that are people might not be thinking about with desktop uh that are kind of interesting for us at, at facebook you know iPad and Android tablets are are kind of a big deal in terms of like absolute number of users, but we we don't we can't we don't have the bandwidth to really invest in that as we would uh, as we do for, for iOS and Android. But there's a lot of things that you need on desktop that are very similar. For example, sure. on on you know on, on a desktop application, you might hit tab to kind of navigate through the key, through the interface with your keyboard, and that's just like what you expect from a desktop application. Sure, but it's not something you do on a mobile app. You don't do that really, uh, <laughs> having a touch screen. And so, as we, we have to kind of figure out what that means on Mac and Windows, how do you build a native application on Mac and Windows and really look and feel like that platform and expose these capabilities and APIs in React Native? And as we figure these problems out, we get to bring these solutions into React Native itself, which provides value to iOS and Android because you can plug a you know, touchpad and keyboard into an iPad. You can plug a mouse and keyboard into an Android device, yeah. And you have the same kind of controls, but most things don't think about that. But because we have to build it out as a first-class citizen for desktop, we can bring it as a first-class citizen to iPod, iPad, and Android. Uh, and that's not just about desktop either. Web has the same needs, right? Web needs yes. to figure these things <laughs> out. And so, as we think about these APIs what are the things that we need to do that are are cross-platform? And as we talked about mm. before, you know, like it's not just about iOS and Android, it's not just about desktop, it's about VR and TV and you have controllers and sure. it's also about web. You know, we, we wanna make it easy so that you can build uh, applications across all technologies using kind of 95% of the same code base and using the platform where it really matters. Uh, and so for us on on web, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And I think that's kind of the dream that everyone's had for a long time is that you know, an engineer who knows React in one code base, 95% of it can be the same between web and mobile. Sure. And I think a lot of teams externally from Facebook have have really investigated this. And I think Expo is doing a great job of driving this forward and uh, bringing a lot of these capabilities to web from React Native. But the thing that I think about is that in a lot of ways, React Native is a toolkit on top of React for building high quality experiences. React is kind of like the core of the, like, the, you know, mental model of the APIs provided. Um, React DOM kind of exposes the low level APIs to divs and spans and uh, events and that kind of thing. And React Native kind of builds builds on top of that with the patterns and, uh, you know, components and hooks and things that people need to Build an application that's really high quality across any platform, and so I'm excited that as we build this out, we can start thinking more about web and uh, really make this really make this a really cool thing.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Like as you're talking about that, I'm just thinking about how hard it is at the moment to support devices that um, on the web, sorry, on the web, how how difficult it is to support devices that have a keyboard, which we expect, um, but then also are capable of touch technologies, you know, because more and more devices are giving you both experience experiences and um, we're just, it's something that we're just bad at right now. Yeah. And I love this kind of virtuous cycle that React Native um, is is already trying to figure that out and can, you know, through figuring that out, actually provide, you know, libraries and concepts and ideas to help out all of the platforms, including the web.
1: Yeah, something we mentioned earlier is, is being able to make it so that, product development is more accessible to generalists and regardless of the platform. And I think that's a big piece here as well. You know, you talk about uh, keyboard navigation on web and then adding touch is really hard. And you like, you have to be an expert (laughs) at these systems to be able to do that. And so for React Native, one of the things that's really important to us is trying to figure out what these patterns look like that can be more accessible to a broader swath of the, the developer ecosystem. You know, there's millions of developers that know React, um, making that making them more effective in the ways that they want to work and, and the areas where they can they can have an impact and be useful is really important. And as you know, we think about this a lot as we think about like lowering the barrier to development. There's a lot of like coding boot camps where people come out learning React. Uh, that's amazing. You know, a, a couple of weeks of learning and, and like, people are, are quite productive. Are there things that we can do in React and React Native that require less expertise in the common case and make, make it more effective? I think we still need the experts to kind of drive the expectations and really drive these things forward, sure. but um, we can kind of shift
0: that balance and make it more accessible to more people. I love that. I love that vision because I think that, you know, over the next handful of years, that is where things are going to happen, right? Like being able to give people with an idea, like every opportunity to very quickly spin up that idea and prove it and actually make a product out of it is going to be more accessible to non-programmers. And I love that you're really driving this forward and with it, you know, a I think a unique focus on product. Um, as opposed to just kind of, you know, more cool developer tooling that like makes us feel like hipper or happier. Um, But really focusing very narrowly on like, how do we get from product to customer really quickly and narrow that gap? I just really love that. And I'm really excited to see that that is something that is picking up steam on more and more platforms. Us too. (laughs) Awesome. Well, before we wrap this up, is there anything else that you uh, that you had wanted to say that I didn't ask you about yet? This has been great.
1: Thank you so much for talking about <laughs> these principles and kind of having this conversation about it. This is what I wanted.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, it's what I wanted, too. And I'm really grateful that you made the, made the time to do it. I love seeing stuff like this uh, kind of like pop up on the web, because as you'd you said, um, it really does open up an opportunity for conversation and to kind of investigate a little bit further into, you know, why like, why is this the most important thing? And why are we kind of veering away from other things that maybe seem like just as important? So thank you for writing it and uh, coming on the show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if other people want to have conversations about this, uh, please tweet at me, uh, Eli underscore White, and I'm sure that'll be in the show notes as well. Um, yeah, I really want to have conversations about this.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that brings up a good uh, close for us is how is the best way for people to contact you, get involved in React Native development and future discussions?
1: Twitter is the, is the right way to contact me, I think, for following along with kind of the, the big changes in React Native, we have a repo called Discussions and Proposals, Mm. and that's kind of a a good way to follow along. And If you mark that repo as watched, uh, get notifications there without the the volume of notifications in the main React Native (laughs) repo, Uh, and a lot of the kind of big changes that are happening we discuss there.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll definitely link all those things. Uh, Eli, thanks again for your time today. Um, This has been illuminating and uh, super fun for me. Awesome. Thank you very much. This has been episode 115 of React Podcast with Chantastic and guest Eli White. A transcript for this episode was sponsored by Kent C. Dodds. None other. Thanks, Kent at the moment these transcripts trail episodes by about five to seven days Uh, we're working to close the gap to zero you can find that transcript links and show notes at reactpodcast.com slash 115. thanks to our sponsors aws amplify and infinite red aws amplify is the fastest easiest way to develop web and mobile apps that scale Learn how to get your React app into the AWS cloud with hosting, authentication, storage, managed GraphQL or REST API, serverless functions, and more at awsamplify.info slash react. Infinite Red is your friendly expert resource for React and React Native. They've worked with developers and entrepreneurs like you to design, build, and ship quality apps And they've been doing so for over 10 years. Infinite Red will give you $750 when you start or refer a new project. Get expert React and React Native help at reactpodcast.infinite.red. If you like this show, there's a fast, free way to demonstrate your support. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's the best way for you to let me know what you think we're doing right and what we can improve. Two to three minutes of your time helps us make the best show we possibly can. As always, links and show notes for all episodes are available at reactpodcast.com. This episode was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson at Spec, a network to help you level up in design and development. Check out spec.fm for other shows that are sure to fast-track your career. I'm your friend fantastic Thanks for listening. We'll be in your ears again next week.